Amen. How many love Jesus? Make some noise. Come on. I want to tell you that I have barely made it here, but I am here. How many are happy to be at church today? Man, last week I got hit so hard by, uh, like, I don't know, strep or laryngitis or something. They're still waiting to get back with me on the culture test that I took. I've been on antibiotics. I've been taking all types of medication. Everybody go, Dito. You know, I've just been feeling it. But I said, I will come to church Sunday. I will be up in this thing. So how many of you are glad to be here with me in church? I would rather be here than anywhere else. And just to let you know, some of you are sensitive to people who are sick. I'm just here to make you stronger, okay? So your immune system will fight whatever I got, and it will make you stronger. And then I've been hand sanitizing all over the place. So if I shook your hand today, don't worry, I've already hand sanitized. But I say all of that to say I don't have my normal, you know, 58 Chevy voice today. This is, this is a hurting for certain voice. So I don't know how long it will last. I think you may notice at a certain point it starts going down and down and down. And then we might have to have Vinny come on the keyboard. But I'm going to preach my little heart out today. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. We're going to talk about peace. Literally, last week we were missing 30-plus people because of sickness, and this week I can already tell by our attendance list that a lot of our leaders are out as well. It is amazing to me how we... um, as a, as a church, take these sicknesses, and I think it's because of our children as well. We have a lot of young children in our church, and I don't want to say we spread it here. I'm not going to say that. They spread it at school, okay? But when you have a church, like with me, I have five kids. My wife and I have five kids. The chances of one of them getting sick at any given time in life is really super-duper high. And you can see when you have a church with a lot of people with kids, the average of kids getting sick starts to get a little bit higher. But I teach my kids to eat dirt. I teach them to play outside without their shoes on in 30-degree Chicago weather. I make sure that they're going to be strong, okay? But every now and then they, get a, they got something. But uh, you know what? Today I'm going to preach my heart out about the peace of God because we all need the peace of God. Can I get an amen for that? If you're new with us, we're on a series in the whole book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a book written by Paul the Apostle, and Paul takes time in his opening part of the letter to say some key components, and that's where we've been at for the last few weeks. And the whole sermon series is wrapped up in this uh, phrase, in him, in Christ, in Jesus. And so when we think about peace today, we don't want to forget where our peace comes from. Our peace comes from being in Jesus. Think of that triangle being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you are in Jesus, you will have peace. So how many today want to be in Jesus? Can I get an amen? In Jesus, there is peace. In Jesus, there is freedom from turmoil in your life. So if today, if you are facing turmoil, you should want to run to Jesus. Let's say you feel today like, man, I got a lot of problems. I don't know if I should be at church. That's the exact opposite way you want to think. You want to think, I got so many problems, I got to be at church, okay? 
And then if you ever notice, and it's the same thing with Facebook, if all you see on Facebook is messy people, it's because you got messy friends. You need to start hiding your messy friends' feeds. It's not that complicated. Are you understanding? It's not like they. It's not like you were forced to look at it. Something happened, and and you liked them or something, and now you're following a mess. Stop following a mess. If that means you only got two people you follow, me and my wife, that's okay. I promise we're not messy. So just follow my wife and I, and you'll enjoy Facebook, and you'll just scroll, and that'll be it. I'm half kidding, but it's the same thing with peace, too. If you notice, like, your life is jacked up and messed up all the time, chances are you ain't with Jesus anymore. Like, you said sayonara to Jesus. You're like, hasta luego. I'm going over here, Jesus. I'm going down this path with El Diablo. And then when you're you're there at the devil's party and you wonder why you don't get along with nobody, you wonder why life doesn't feel right, it's because you left Jesus. So everybody say, in Jesus is peace. Without Jesus, no peace. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. And as a matter of fact, we'll go to verse 1 so you can see the whole context. First, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, in Christ. Thank you. Grace and, come on, grace and peace. Look to your neighbor and go, peace. Come on, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only a peace that God can give through Jesus Christ. There is a false peace that you can get from other things, but it is not a lasting peace. It is not a real peace. The real peace of God only comes through Jesus. Just think about that, only Jesus. Now, can money give you peace? For a little bit, but it won't last, will it? It won't last. It won't last. If money is what you think is your source of peace, money will let you down. Money will not bring peace to your home. Money will not bring peace to your children. A lot of parents in this generation have been deceived to believe that the more they provide for their kids, the more at peace their children's life will be. And that is not true, because if you go back to where a lot of us came from, to the villages, to the countrysides of Italy or Poland or Mexico or Puerto Rico or Ireland, wherever you come from, listen, if you go back to those times, there were dirt floors, was no running water, fire coming from a a stove in the middle of the house, but yet there was what? There was peace. There was peace. People weren't confused over their gender. People weren't confused over what right and wrong was. They understood it. Are you guys tracking with me? So you see, when you leave God, you leave peace. When you leave the ways of God, you leave the peace of God. It's that simple. So as a pastor, my, uh, my job is not to fix you, to not be like Tool Time Tim from uh, Home Improvement and then like have a hammer and a nail and a saw and fix you every time you come to church on Sunday. That's not my job. My job is to get you in Jesus. My job is to get you out of whatever you are in right now that's not Jesus and get you into Jesus. Get your marriage into Jesus. Get your children into Jesus. Get your job into Jesus. Get your bank account into Jesus. 
Now, I'm not WWF, and I'm not mad at you today, but I know my voice sounds like that. Snap into a Slim Jim. I want to break you out. Just listening to myself preach this morning. No, but really, that's not my job is to like, to, to like remodel your life every week. My job as a pastor is to be the first of many who put their lives in Jesus and have a testimony to say, Jesus works. Jesus works in the family. Jesus works with children. Jesus works with money. Why do you think we take time every week to talk about tithes and offerings? Think of it from our perspective. If I'm already getting your money, then why do I need to talk about it? It doesn't benefit me, right? Because if I'm already getting paid, why don't I just say drop it in here, let's go to the next thing? The reason why we wrote a book about it, 52 Lessons on Giving Throughout the Bible, is because we want you, every believer, to hear how to break the back of greed off of your money and have your money to be a blessing in your life. Because if your money's not in Jesus, if your wallet's not in Jesus, you won't have peace in your wallet. You won't have peace in your bank account. I've had too many people in my life with a lot of money, but they have a lot of problems. So that's why we talk about it. Why do you think we give prayer time at the end of every service up here? Once again, you've already heard the service. Why not just say, hasta la vista, see you later? Why is it every week there are people up here ready to pray for you? Because they want to get you into Jesus. They want to get your high school young people into Jesus. They want to get your children, your marriage into Jesus. So you can bring up your wife if you're having troubles. Husbands with your wife and say, please pray for us. We want to put our marriage in Jesus' hands. You can come up with a troubled child and say, please Please pray for little Johnny. Johnny needs Jesus. You can come up with your friends and say, my friend needs Jesus. That's why we do what we do in this church, because we want what Paul talked about to be real in our lives. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing more than what God would want to give you than grace and peace. His love manifests through that grace and peace. And just think about it. There's nothing bigger than that. Sometimes we think, like, let's go on to the next thing. Let's talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Let's go to the cool things of the Bible. Everything about the entire Bible is leading to grace and peace. The whole purpose of it is grace and peace. So we shouldn't be in a hurry to, to get out of these concepts. As a matter of fact, we should build our lives on these concepts. Paul starts his letter with grace and peace, ends his letter with grace and peace. Everything in between is just a sandwich of grace and peace. Look it up right now, Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. It's all about grace and peace. Ephesians 1 and 2, grace and peace. Ephesians 6, 23 and 24, grace and peace. Everything inside this book is a grace and peace sandwich. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is grace and peace. Do you see it? Look at the book of Genesis as I talk about it for a second. God creates us out of his grace, gives us all that he gives us by his grace so that we may have peace, peace in the world, peace among our families, peace with the animals. And then what happens? We sin, need more of God's grace, need to know the path of peace because we leave it. All that's in the Bible, Jesus comes to do what? Bring us grace. He's the grace of God. He appears to us. He's the prince of peace. Come on, somebody. He's the prince of peace, I said. Come on, somebody. The prince of peace walks the earth, shows us the path of peace, dies, resurrects from the dead, goes to heaven to purchase for us the peace on earth and goodwill towards men. We needed our sins paid for. 
Now all that we're doing in the church age for the last 2,000 years is preaching that message of God of grace and peace, grace and peace. I know many of you say God bless you to each other, and a lot of times just after someone sneezes, but the real greeting of the Christian is grace and peace. When you see each other, grace and peace. When you're leaving each other, grace and peace. You should speak that over your children's life. Grace and peace upon you this morning as you go out this door or catch the bus. Grace and peace, honey, as you go to work. Grace and peace as you go do what you do. Grace and peace. From beginning to end, it's grace and peace. How many want to learn about peace today? Come on. Peace defined in the Greek word is Irene. Everybody say Irene. If you've ever met anybody named Irene, it comes from that word peace. It means tranquility without storm or conflict to prosper and to be whole. When we think about in the Old Testament peace, the word is shalom. Everybody say shalom. It was a key concept of the blessings of God. Go to Numbers chapter 6 verse 22. Numbers chapter 6 verse 22. I want to challenge you to hear this blessing today and to speak it over your children, and over your family's life. As a matter of fact, where is uh, my, uh, Curtis, will you get my son Lucas? Will you get Lucas for me, please? I want to show you how to bless your children with the blessing of God. How many are ready for this? I just felt this right in my heart. I'm like telling you to do this when you go home. I'm going to do it right now. I could bring up all of my children, but it might get a little crazy. (laughs) So I'm just picking one. (laughs) Now, you always get scared when I bring him up here because he thinks we're going to baptize him. I got to warn you with that. So if you hear him say, I don't want to get baptized, that's the reason. He just, and, he, and, and, and every time we throw down the person in the baptismal tank, we always say, Holy Ghost, baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So this is what he says. He says, I don't want the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so if he comes and tells us he doesn't want the Holy Ghost, we got to know what he means, okay? But he does love Jesus, and I want to bless him in front of you guys today, and I want I want you to get an image of this because we need to bless our children. There is, a, there is an, an attack against our families in this generation, and we need to bless them with the love of God. Let's give it up for Lucas as he comes. Lukester the cutester. Amen. <laughs> Do you love Jesus? All right. That's good enough for me as long as he's not crying right now. I'm going to just pray for you. Let's pray this for him right now. And guys, would you scroll it for me? I pray the Lord will bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and to be gracious to you. I pray that the Lord will turn his face towards you, look at me, and give you peace. Let's give it up for Lucas. Amen. You can go that way. Pretend like you ain't shy because you're not. You're my son. Oh, man, I double-dog dare you. If you're sitting next to your husband or wife right now, I double-dog dare you to look at him and say this because we're going to do it again. If you're sitting next to your friend, grab your friend and say it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That's the blessing of God from the Old Testament. There is something special when we speak those blessings over our lives. And if you notice how it ends, may the Lord give you peace. May he prosper you. May 
May the life that you live be tranquil. May you be without storm or conflict. May you be whole and complete. Gideon called God Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Let's say Jehovah Shalom. And amen. In Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus is called what? Prince of peace. Somebody say, he's my Jehovah Shalom, and he's the Prince of peace. Thank you. Paul used the word peace 43 times in his 13 epistles. Just think about how important that word was for him. And eight times just in the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to look at it today in all of the places that it's found, knowing that as we go verse by verse through the book of Ephesians, these verses will each be dealt with individually in time. Because right now we're still just on verse 2. But I want us to see the whole concept of peace in this book so that as you go through it, you know where we're going. The the concept will encourage you as it comes up over and over and over again. I hope you guys are doing the homework I asked you to do at the beginning of this series, which is read through this book every week. Just yesterday alone, I read the entire book of Ephesians out loud in my prayer time. Do you want to take a guess how long it took? Do you guys think it took five hours for me to do it? You think it took three hours for me to do it? How long? About 20 minutes. 20 minutes. A quarter of the time it would take to watch a sitcom. Uh, An eighth of the time it would take to watch a movie or a ball game. I just simply took 20 minutes to take my face out of Facebook and put my face into his book. Come on, somebody, and read the whole book of Ephesians to myself because I'm worth it. I'm worth 20 minutes to hear the word of God. My soul is precious and worth the word of God. Listen to me, mothers, because I know you work so hard. Many of you working jobs outside the home and for your children, you are worth it. Take 20 minutes out this week and read Ephesians to your soul, to yourself, and watch what it does to encourage you. And men, you're worth it too. But I want to tell you, it is something that it just blew my mind to see how often peace came up in this book because I knew I was mindful of that concept as I was coming into today. And it just encouraged me so much to see how peace is a part of what God is doing. It's not an afterthought. It's, It's not like God just goes, oh, and by the way, there'll be some peace thrown in this Christian life. No, it's like for the purpose of peace for the reason of peace, for the foundation of peace, because he knows how much you need it. And the problem is some of us only have a piece of peace, but God wants you to have the whole thing of peace. He wants you to have a whole lot of peace. Can I get an amen? Not just a little piece of peace. Look at your neighbor and say he wants you to have it all. Amen. Look at this, Ephesians 1, 2. We've already read it. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Where does grace and peace come from? God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you have biblical peace without God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Can't have it. Doesn't exist. Does biblical peace exist in other religions? So they talk a lot about peace, don't they? A lot of religions talk about peace. But does it exist in their religion? No, it doesn't. Only you can get peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. Now watch this. This is amazing. 
Paul is going to give the theology of peace. And let me just say this first part so you don't miss it. He's going to give the theology of peace. And the first thing he's going to show you, as we learned with grace, is that grace is not just an attribute of God. Grace is actually the person of God, Jesus Christ. Grace appeared, Titus says, which is another letter of Paul. Grace appeared to all of us. Well, how did grace appear to all of us? Like on Sesame Street, the letter G and the letter R and A, and they danced around and said, hey, we're grace. No, how did grace appear? Through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whenever you saw Jesus, you saw a way to the Father. Whenever you saw Jesus, you saw the origin of life. Whenever you heard Jesus speak, you heard the foundation of all truth, not just religious truth, all truth. Science works because of Jesus. Math works because of Jesus. Logic works because of Jesus. Truth is found in Jesus. Are you with me? Now watch this right at the beginning. He says, for he himself is our peace. So you got to prepare yourself right now. These nuggies are about ready to get good. This is as if literally you are on gold rush and you're panning for some gold to see where you're going to dig with your tractors. And you go down and you pull it out and you're shaking it around. All of a sudden, you just got a big old nuggie sitting in there. Because Paul says the nuggies are about ready to come. But here's the first thing you got to understand. Peace is a person. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So what is the theology he's teaching here? Is that according to the Bible, there's always been two groups of people, Gentiles and Jews, those who are Jews and everybody who is not a Jew. Now because of Jesus, Jew and Gentile are brought together. There's no longer a conflict or a war between them. There is a peace. Look at verse 15. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself, everybody say in Jesus, thank you, one new humanity. Isn't that beautiful? Out of the two, thus making what? Peace. Brothers, can I get a bottle of water too, please? It's starting to go down. I can feel it. Jesus, help me. I'll whisper this message if I have to. How many would stay if I just went to the whisperer? You guys would still stay? Some of you would just walk out while I'm whispering. Where are you going? Why are you leaving? I want you to stay. It may come to that. Thank you, sir. Like, I really prepared myself today. I'm like, will I whisper this message? And I'm like, yes, I will. And it's not that I don't have preachers. We have so many preachers in this church that will do this in a heartbeat heartbeat and even better than me. But that's not the, the reason I, I do this. I don't do this to hand this off to somebody else. This is Sunday. This is the Lord's day. This is my day to work. Amen. And as long as my legs can carry me, I will stand up here before you and sign language it if I have to. Because this belongs to me. God said this is mine. And it's okay when I love to have guest speakers and I love to have our guest pre our preachers preach here and all of that. But it will be a cold day in hell before I let it go just to let it go, just to flippantly say, well, I'll call in sick today. No, devil. This is mine in Jesus' name. Amen. I will stand up and fight. You don't have to clap. I love my pastor. I love my pastor. I just want to say, like, y'all do that too. Like, there are some of you who are just old school. How many go to work the same way like that? You're old school. You, you ain't calling in sick unless you're bleeding, you know? And even then, it's like, can you patch me up, you know? Let's keep going. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. 
and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Everybody say reconciliation. Thank you. If God can reconcile Jews and Gentiles, can he reconcile black and white? Uh, can he reconcile Puerto Ricans and Mexicans, South, Central and South Americans with Mexicans? Yes, he can. And whatever groups are at odds with each other, yes, he can. Reconciliation is found in Jesus. Verse 17, now here is amazing. This, oh, Lord, I love this. I pray we get it. He came. Who is he right here? He. Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. What this means is when we're talking about the book of Ephesians, if you remember how they became Christians, they became Christians by Paul preaching to them, and they left their paganism. Their paganism was a wicked form of religion. They actually had temple prostitution at the places they would go. So if they really loved their goddess, they would have sex with the goddess's priests who were prostitutes. And so Paul is saying, we as Jews, we were keeping the commands of God. We were close. And Jesus came to us and preached to us. But he also preached to those who, who were far away. Now, I don't know how you came to Jesus, whether you were far away, crazy, wild, and out, or whether or not you were close, brought up in a Christian family, but how many are glad Jesus came and preached peace to you? How many are glad Jesus came right to where you were, whether you were far, far out there on Belmont and Clark getting it on, or whether or not you were shaking it and baking it in the club, or wherever you were at, come on, locked up, or whether you were cheating on your taxes, come on, somebody putting down, putting down claiming people that you were supposed to claim. How many are glad God came and got you? And then there's others of you brought up in church. You were goody two-shoes. You know, you never had sex. You never did drugs. How many, God, how many are happy God came and preached to you? That's what we never forget here is that he cares about those who are close and that those who are far away. And the message was the same. It was the message of peace. Now, why is that needed? Why would Jesus need to tell us about peace? Were we in a, a war? Were we at... We at uh, odds with somebody? Were we fighting against somebody that he had to come and say peace? Yes, we were. Who, who was our enemy? It wasn't the devil because we were on his side, weren't we? Who did Jesus need to bring peace for us uh, to, to know about and to be brought into relationship with, to be reconciled to? To God. The Bible says we were at enmity with God. We were at war with God. Now, aren't you thankful that God loves his enemies? God loves his enemies, but we were his enemy, and that's why Jesus had to come and say, hey, Jesus has come, or the Father has sent me to bring you peace. All you have to do is believe in me, and I will reconcile you to the Father. For through him we both have access to the what? To the Father by one Spirit. There is the Trinity right there. Did you see it? Come on, were you sleeping today or did you see a scripture that taught you the Trinity? For through Him, who is the Him there? We both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. Now let's call Jesus by His divine title of Son. For through the Son, we have access to the Father by one Spirit. God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Boom, Trinity, all up in your face. 
See, in him, I did this triangle on purpose. It wasn't meant to be a square. It was meant to be a triangle to help you see this. In him, I am in the Father. I am in the Son. I am in the Spirit. But I used to be out of him. And I used to be far away from him. Even though I was born and raised in church, I was denying him. I was doing things that I knew I shouldn't do. But Jesus, praise God, came and preached peace to me through the people around me. The word of Jesus was spoken. And I, who was once far away, was brought in. Now I have access to the Father by the Spirit because of Jesus. Can you say that? Can you make that personal in your own life? Just in your own mind right now, make it personal. I was far away or I was close because I was brought up a Christian, however you want to say, and God brought me in through Jesus by the Spirit. It makes a difference, doesn't it? It's not just some theology or some story we believe way out there. It's the story of my life that's right in here. The Bible speaks about me all the time. Have you noticed it speaks about you? This Bible is more real to me than even my own thoughts sometimes because my own thoughts can deceive me. But this Bible explains to me why I am the way that I am. Another man said it once like this, I truly became who I was when I died and became who he is. You will truly know yourself when you deny yourself to know Jesus. Then you will know what you've been made for. Then you will know peace. Many of you, you struggle with peace because you struggle with the concepts of God that bring forth peace, his commands. And the commands of God are not meant to be a burden, but the reason why they're a burden to some of us here is because you struggle with understanding who God is. And then that becomes religious to you. Well, I'll try to understand commands, do more to be more. But for a Christian, how we start this relationship is how we continue this relationship. And it's all because of what he did in our lives. And so when I recognize that I'm a sinner and that Jesus saved me and that I can't save myself and I come to him, when I am now in him, I trust him that everything that he ever said was for my own good. If I ever step out of it and question it and get all confused, then I don't understand this. It's not really an issue of confusion. It's an issue of rebellion. Because whenever I just take him by simple faith and I go, you know what? I didn't die on the cross for my sins. I didn't raise again from the dead. I don't have an intimate relationship with the Father where I sit at his right hand. Oh, but Jesus did. And Jesus told me to trust in him. And by doing that, I get in him. Now I have a relationship with the Father through him. Well, I'm going to do that. And whenever I see him tell me to do something now that maybe I don't like, maybe that I think is going to cost me to lose friends or, or attention or whatever thing I idolize, I'm going to trust him. Because when I don't, how many of you know you've done it the wrong way before? What's the first thing to leave your life as a Christian? When you start sinning, start doubting God, what's that first thing to leave? Peace. There it goes. There it goes. You're in a relationship you're not supposed to be in. What don't you have? Peace. Took a job that you thought would be good for you, but you felt in your heart God said that wasn't the right one. What has left you on that job? Peace. You said you're going to do this and do that, do this and do that, and it all looked good according to your plan, but all of a sudden you're getting there doing that, and where's your peace? It's gone. Because peace comes by the Spirit of God through the obedience to God. Be obedient to God. Trust Him, even though sometimes it's hard. 
Even though I know for many of us, it's a difficult decision for you to make. But over time, you will see that that difficult decision really is better, and it's a lot easier than giving up your peace. I know for me it was hard giving up my friends at first, but then I realized what peace was. And I started to have that peace in my relationships with my new friends. And so when I tried to go back to my old friends when I was bored or do things with them, just because, you know, I, I, I wanted to try to reach out to them. And there's nothing wrong with reaching out, but I would use it as an excuse to go play pool with them in hours that I shouldn't. And then before I knew it, I'm there one in the morning playing pool because I was bored and my Christian friends couldn't hang out. And all of a sudden, I don't feel peace. I feel more tempted to do the things that I know I shouldn't do, find myself more easily angered. Hello, somebody. It was just a simple decision to trust God, and I blew it. And the more I started to blow it, I realized, no, you know what? I'm going to take this where it's at right at the beginning and trust God and see how that works. And then I began to realize, well, I don't need pool halls at 1 in the morning. You know, I used to deliver pizzas, so I had nothing to do when I got off work at 12, 1 o'clock. So, I, like I said, I would call up some of those sinner friends that I had. And I began to realize I didn't need that. Some of you think you need things that you don't need, but those things are just crutches. They don't really give you peace. And what God wants to do is have you throw away that crutch and get his real peace. People get addicted to things all the time because it's a false sense of peace. Get free from those things and get the prince of peace. Amen? Let's go to the next one. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of what? Peace. Peace binds things together. And in church, Paul is talking to them. He's saying, guys, you better make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit here. So let's make it personal to us. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to be talking to you. So listen, you better do whatever it takes to keep peace in this church. I love the meme that says it like this. My problem isn't what that person said about me. My problem is that they felt comfortable to say about me to you, to say that about me to you. Do you all get that? That's my biggest problem as a pastor. Not that you come to me and say, oh, so-and-so left the church, and they told me this, and they told me that. I don't give a rip about all of that. I want to know why are they talking to you about it, and why are you listening? Are you doing everything to keep the bond of peace in your marriage? Come on, husbands, you need to keep every, do everything you can, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in your marriage. That means, men, you're not going to put your eyes on women that are not, only one, your eyes only belong for one woman, that's your wife. So you should pray that prayer every day, Lord, if you struggle with lust. Lord, give me my, give my eyes, attend, let my eyes only be attentive to my wife today. May my wife capture my attention today and nobody else. And if you're not married, close your eyes and think about Jesus when a pretty girl walks by or a, a handsome guy. Oh, Jesus, I see you on the cross dying for my sins. There you are, Jesus. Come on. You know what I'm talking about, and it's about ready to be spring and summer. It's going to get crazy. People don't know how to dress. Sometimes you're going to be at a stoplight, and you got to go like, oh, Lord, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. You are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come. You know what I'm talking about, driving right by Humble Park, oh, Lord. Keep my heart pure, Jesus. The lakefront, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to be honest with you, but I have to guard my heart. I have to make every effort. 
Children, make every effort to guard the unity of your home with your parents. Don't be rebellious. Employees, make every effort to keep the unity of your job. They may not be Christians there, but if you're called to work there, if that's a part of your purpose, you're called to bring unity there. The same rules of the Bible apply there. You don't backbite. Your boss is doing something you don't like. You talk to your boss about it. You don't talk to the other employee about it. You're a Christian. You do things like Christ. Amen? We don't gossip. We don't, we don't lie. We don't do things for our own advantage. We serve others. And if the team is good, and if we're a great team, then the team will get a victory together. Amen? We're not here to tear each other down. Now, once again, we may have to fire people to keep the bond of peace. We may have to kick some people out to keep the bond of peace. My mom kept the bond of peace in her home and kicked me out. Praise God. It was one of the best things she ever did for me. But I want to tell you this. you got to make every effort to keep peace. you got to make some effort to it. If you just think it comes easy in the sense of it's always going to be uh, effortless, that's not true. I make an effort to keep the peace. But once again, I think it's worth it to keep the peace. How many believe that? I believe it. I believe whatever effort I put in towards peace, it is so worth it. I look around at this church, and I know that oftentimes we could grow faster, have more, but there's a lot of people that get mad at us because we do discipleship for everybody. But that's how we keep the peace in this church. If you don't want to be discipled and be taught the things of God, this church is not for you. And there's a hundred other churches down the road that won't disciple you, so there's plenty for you to go choose. But if you want to come here and you get discipled, that's how we keep the bond of peace. That's how we keep things in check. It's not that we don't have problems. Every church is going to have a problem. But I'll go talk to your 101-er, your 201-er, your life group leader, and we're going to resolve this situation. But you running rogue somewhere on Facebook, and you got everybody's attention, and you don't respect anybody in the church. How did you even get along here for that long? You know, how did that even happen? I talk to pastors all the time, and I'm not saying it couldn't happen here, but they just tell me, you know, the church split over this, the person split over this. And I'm like, how did they even get that much attention? How were people following them around? In our church, if you're not a disciple, you ain't doing the thug dizzle for the low for shizzle. And if people ain't listening, if, if, they're, if you're not a disciple and people are listening to you and you take them out, you've just done us a favor to make room for more people. It's expensive to buy more space in this church, amen, uh, in this city. It's an expensive city to live in. This building, this three-store front building, we're about ready to get that corner a store in Jesus' name. By the way, April, they're going to let us know about it. So keep that in prayer. But just if we wanted to purchase this, it's like the community center did right there. They purchased it and remodeled it. That was a million-dollar project. Just right here, you can see they basically have the same size. We do the, they, they did basically the same thing, tore down the walls and opened it up. You can, it's literally right on the side of this right here. It took them about $300,000 to buy the building and then renovate that thing. was over a half a million dollars. So a total was a million dollars. So my point is every seat here is precious. We welcome you. We want you. But if you don't want to keep the bond of peace, you can peace out. Amen. I'm not here to make you stay in this church. If you don't like me, that's okay. I still like you. But just go tell some other pastor what you think because I'm not here to hear that. Amen. And that's why I have peace. And people tell me all the time, that's so mad. I mean, that, I have pastors tell me this all the time. Well, why do you talk to your people like that? You're so rude. I'm like, this is the greatest thing I can ever do for them. This is the greatest. How many of y'all have ever seen disobedient children and you not only wanted to spank them and put them right, but you also felt sorry for them? Did you ever see like a disobedient child and you just felt sorry for them because you know at two, three, four years old that that probably is not even a fault of their own. You get what I'm saying? Because we have, a, a, don't get quiet on me now. Talk to me here. 
When you see like a two-year-old running rampant, being crazy, screaming, hollering at their parents and all that, it's, dude, the two-year-old is just doing what a two-year-old does. It's because the parent hasn't taken the time to discipline that child, okay? And now listen to me. I feel sorry for pastors that let the people poop on themselves, do all this, make all this mess, and then they wonder why those same people throw the poop right back at them, amen? They make a whole mess. They create a mess. Messy people love messes. That ain't going to happen here. I love the presence of God too much for that. Y'all, y'all can look at me when I talk like this. Some of y'all are just like, no, I don't know if I want to look at him. Because I might be one of those messy people. Is he done? Is he done? Y'all look at me. I love you. I'm smiling. But listen, I'll take a church this size any day than a thousand crazy people. If you're crazy in a thousand-member church and you don't want to live for Jesus and a a pastor asks you to do something and nobody wants to do it, you know, I talk to these guys with these massive churches, and then they say, oh, we do these things, and and I say, how many people show up? And they go, like, a hundred people show up. I'm like, man, you only had 10% of your church show up and do something. What is wrong with you? You know, because that's the problem with churches is they put up with too much stuff. And then it's not even just the pastors. Let me just talk to you about the people. Don't put up with stuff with false pastors either, you know. I've had people come to this church and say, oh, I was a part of a church, and it was so messy, this, this, and that. And I said, what made it messy? Well, the pastor kept having girlfriends. You know, he was married, but he kept having girlfriends. And I'm thinking, what are you doing putting up with that? And she was like, well, I was praying for him. I was praying for him. You could pray for him as you leave his church. Pray for him as you leave his church. Don't go to a church where a man has a girlfriend or the man steals money or they don't love Jesus. Are you listening to me? Come on, somebody say stand firm. Come on, stand firm firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Somebody say the gospel of peace. I just want to conclude what I was saying by saying this. Get rid of mess and messy people, and you'll see how much peace you have in your life. Amen? That's all I can say. If I, you know, after, after I said all that I said to pastors, they're like, well, we don't do it like that. Okay, well, then get ready for your 10 counseling meetings, three church splits, and five attitudes every time you do something. Okay, get ready for that. And I say the same thing back to you. You don't like your friends. You don't like your Facebook. You don't like your job. Go get a new one. Go get a new friend. Live for Jesus and have peace. Amen? And I don't say go get a divorce, but if you are in a place in your marriage and it's not right, you go get counseling and you fight for it to have peace. And if they leave you, then you let them leave you. That's the only time the Bible says divorce is acceptable. When they say, I'm out of here, when they go, I'm out, then you go, okay, well, then that's your decision then. But I'm going to stand here for Jesus, amen? And I've seen marriages do that, and sometimes that's what it takes is someone saying, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm going to go to church whether you come with me or not. I'll go to the counseling whether you come with me or not. Can I get an amen? And then lastly, we got to bring that gospel of peace to everybody. The gospel is actually what we put on our feet and bring it everywhere we go, and it's the gospel of peace. Did y'all just get that? It says, put on the gospel of peace with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This is the section of the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, uh, the belt of truth. And then he says, you know what these are? These shoes you put on? The gospel of peace. So that means everywhere you go, you're a representative of the gospel of peace. Everywhere you go, you are to represent what Jesus represents. My dad just put up a testimony the other day, and I want to read it to you. Uh, Go to his Facebook, and you can put it up here. Um, 
I want you to see this as a businessman. My dad was being real. But I, I think that so many of you, you take off your Jesus hat and put on your work hat, and you don't understand that you can bring your Jesus hat to, to work with you. How many want to bring their Jesus hat to work with them? When we look at our lives, the problems that, that we face, the reasons why we have a uh, lack of peace is because we have the lack of awareness of God. Now, let me just say this because I don't want to say like, if you have a problem, it means you have done something wrong. No, 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 no. Jesus had all kinds of problems, but he's the prince of peace. But here's the deal. Peace deals with the inner heart and how you deal with the problems. How many know you can go through your problems one way, trusting God, or another way, going cray-cray, okay? How many are tired of handling your problems going cray-cray? Okay, how many want Jesus up in your problems? Okay, there's never a problem that you face where Jesus isn't already the solution. Do you believe that? I'm going to say that again. There's never going to be a problem that you will face where Jesus is already not the solution. Okay, my dad supports this man who has a boxing gym in his area. But I want you to see this testimony that he had just put up the other day. When we look at my father's life, it's just an example of a Christian businessman. I know that many of us here, we, uh, we have not lived as long as him, but some of us had some people in our lives that have impacted us like him. And so I want you guys to be encouraged by a man that's in his 70s who served God for many years. Here's one of the things he just put on Facebook that's a little bit unrelated to this, but still applies. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas. The anchor holds in spite of the storm. That's somebody who trusts Jesus, amen? Well, it looks like this ship is going down. Yes, it does, but I'm trusting Jesus anyway, amen? I will take my time and find this because it's such a goodie. Just talk to your neighbor about a time where you needed the peace of God and it showed up in your life. Tell somebody about the peace of God. Don't just awkwardly look at me right now because I'm doing this on the fly and I'm going to find it. If I have to have you go slower through, okay, here we go. I was going to have you find. There it is. Everybody look at this, please. I want you to be encouraged by a man that's 70 years old, was in business over 40 years, very successful. True story of mine to encourage you. Vinny, would you come, please? I hope you read it all. One of my first major rejections of sharing the gospel, what are we supposed to have on our feet? The gospel of, okay, do you take it off when you go to work? No. And what are you supposed to wear? The gospel of peace. Thank you. On one of my first... A major rejections of sharing the gospel came in a way least expected. April 1974, I had just purchased a business in Fort Wayne, Indiana. A few months later, I rededicated my life to Jesus and was on fire for him. I have never lost the fire since. Actually, it's intensified thanks to the Holy Spirit. I accepted the Lord in 1971. So you see why I'm stopping to do It's not just because of my dad. It's just someone who's been around for a while. I know we have a lot of new businessmen in here, businesswomen. You know, a lot of times, it's not that I mean to laugh, but it's one of these things I find so funny. You find somebody who's just graduated college, and it's like, oh, my gosh, life is so hard. Life is so hard. It's like, come on, you're not the only one to have graduated college, have to work a job, you know. And then you'll find somebody getting married, you know, and they'll be like, oh, my life is so stressed getting married. You just don't understand. It's like, you're not the only one who ever gotten married in life, okay? There's a lot of us who've gotten married, and we still come to church, right? 
And then, and, then they, and then the person has their first kid, you know. Oh, I'm having my first kid in life. It's, oh, my gosh, it's going crazy. And it's like you're not the first one, right? And it's the same thing because we have a young church, a lot of young church uh, people here, you know. And it's like, oh, I'm starting a business. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, I have to work. You know, Jesus ain't going to pay my bills. I got to get up and work. Ah! It's like you, would you think you're the first one to love Jesus and have a job? It's like meet somebody who's got some money, son. Meet a Christian who's done some things, amen? I mean, the only difference is we're not the ones taking photographs with a thousand dollars and a hundreds, putting it to our ear. Hello. You know, Christians generally aren't being idiots like that. But there are Christians with a million dollars. There's Christians with a billion dollars. Are you listening? There's Christians with big companies, big businesses, things making it happen, Captain. Put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants. You're not the first one. And by the way, when it comes to die, and it comes to, to dying, rather, we won't be the first ones. Every grandparent you know has ever faced that day, and it's the Christians ones who went there with joy and peace in their heart. Amen? So from life to death, I ain't scared. Look at your neighbor and say, I ain't scared. Amen. So shortly after that, a friend suggested I attend a business luncheon. Put yourself in my dad's shoes. Just got a new business, going to a business luncheon. He said most of the men were Christian, and it would be a great opportunity to meet potential clients. So my dad, every day, puts on his gospel shoes. Let's go to work. Let's do it. Well, I thought that was a good idea, so I went to lunch with him. There was about eight businessmen. Some owners were present. And by the way, what my dad did in his business would do the taxes and accounting for businesses. So that's why he needed to network with them. He eventually became a financial planner and stockbroker. I said, that's a good idea. So there's eight businessmen there. There's owners present. The beer began to flow, and the conversation was there, and it wasn't edifying. I discerned that most of the guys weren't Christians, including the guy that invited me. So I guess uh, he's finding this out pretty quick. Now, you have to understand, I was from Chicago. He's from the south side. And I never got interested in basketball. I played a little football, uh, by the way. He played in college. My sports were football and baseball. Indiana people loved their basketball, especially IU graduates, which several of these guys were. You know, March Madness now, Bobby Knight in those days. They were so excited about the team. Let's talk about the team. And let me just say this real quick. I know men, a lot of times we get intimidated by macho men, but I think you guys need to have some images in your head to help take away the intimidation, okay? Right now, my best friends are preaching the gospel at uh, Bike Week in Daytona Beach, okay? One week, uh, one year, they went out there with flyers to help humble these motorcycle guys because all they do is just... You know, they're big Harley guys and all of this, and they just make that their God. Nothing wrong with motorcycles. My dad actually ended up having a Harley in his later years, but these guys go out there and preach. You know what they did one year just to humble these guys? They put a big fat dude with the motors, uh, you know, motorcycle helmet on all this, big uh, beard and all that, on a tricycle and says, that's what you look like. Because you can't take it with you. You're just a big baby. Repent of your sins. And I think sometimes you guys need to look at, you need to look at sports people the same way. Nothing wrong with loving sports. Don't get me wrong. But when they just go on and on and on and on, what you need to do is imagine them in a dress being a girl just talking about makeup and shoes. Because all they're doing is just living vicarious through somebody else. Just playing a bunch of make-believe. Think of them like my daughter putting on a princess skirt, thinking that there's some princess somewhere. Well, yeah, well, you see the game? You see the game? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't see you wear a tutu, sir. 
I didn't see you put on your eyeshadow. <laughs> Just a mental image that sets me free. Now, some of y'all love sports and you love Jesus. That's okay. But let me just tell you, when they hit a home run, that's not you. That's them. That's them doing something great. You liking somebody doing something great doesn't make you great. Okay? So you go do something great. So most guys who talk about sports with big beer bellies can't play sports. I will beat you in the sport you like to watch them play because I'm a real man. I just don't watch dudes in tights run up and down fields. Are you listening? Daddy put in work himself. <laughs> I got silly today. I'm so sorry. I love sports. I play them. Does anybody know the difference? If you watch them, that's, that's cool. You cool for watching it. But you know what? You're not an athlete. Do you all get that? We watch stuff and we think we do it, you know? Like you're going to tell him how to throw the curveball. You're going to tell him how to do this and that. Most of you would pee your pants if you stood in front of a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. You know what I'm saying? Most of you would go running. If we put pads on you and put you in the Chicago Stadium, most of you would go running like a little girl. You put pads on me. You put me in front of Erlacher. I'm living a dream. Are you listening to me? I'm running with everything I have put in my helmet right in his chest. I may bounce off, but you're going to watch me run with everything I have right at that joker. And I just, I, I mean, I'm telling you right now, Tim Tebow's playing for the Mets, and sometimes I wish I could just call him up and be like, man, see if you can get me on or something, because I just want to stand in front of them pitchers one day, you know. I want to hit a home run. Anyways. They were so excited about the team, what was happening, how they were doing this year. Well, I was just sitting there listening, and I didn't say anything, but, you know, whatever. So one of the guys looked at me and said, look, uh, don't, you don't look excited. I responded by saying, well, I really don't know much about basketball or IU. He says, well, what excites you? Now, to me, that was what I call an entry point. Everybody say entry point. See, everywhere you go, there's an entry point to share the gospel of peace. So what makes you excited? What do you get excited about? Okay. He said, I get really excited about what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for me. Then I proceeded to share my testimony. A couple days later, that friend that invited me to lunch told me that everyone, listen, I don't believe my dad's lying or exaggerating, that every one of the guys present at the luncheon called him and told him never to invite me to the lunch again. So much for potential clients. For the next 40 years, I cannot tell you how many friends left me, clients I lost, or potential clients I never acquired, because I never would let Jesus out of my meeting. I would not, never, I never would let Jesus out of a meeting or a conversation. I even remember a good client who owned two or three businesses leave me because he knew I was a tither, and he did not like the pastor of the church I was attending. Oh, how many of y'all would be that loyal? Oh, no, some of y'all would be out in no time. You mean if I leave this church, I keep your business? Okay, honey, we finding a new church. Honey, listen, just go look for another church right down the road. Look, they said, I don't like your pastor. You're a tither. I don't like him. I don't want you giving any of my money to him that I, pr I, I produce for your business. He didn't want his money going there. He didn't even believe in God. I'm not saying this to boast. 
As Paul said, I only boast in the Lord. I've never been ashamed of the gospel, nor compromised the truth. I can only look at my life now and understand what the scripture says. He is faithful to the faithful. And I wish my dad, because he's such a humble guy, would have put his accomplishments there. Millions of dollars in business, setting records for American Express in the places that he worked, all the companies that he impacted. But he said, I'll leave the ones who don't want to stick around the gospel of peace. Can I hear an amen? I can't tell you how to do it, but I can tell you God will help you to do it. Amen? I'm going to say that again. Somebody tweet this for me and put it on Facebook because I want to say that. Don't, don't say that your pastor is trying to get in your business. I'm not. I can't tell you how to do it in your business with the gospel of peace. I don't know your business. I don't know if you are just a hamburger flipper at McDonald's or if you are the CEO of Pepper Construction. I don't know how to do it in your business, but I can tell you God will do it with you in your business tomorrow. God will show you how to bring the gospel of peace to your company. He will do it. He will do it. Take him with you. Put on your gospel shoes and go to work tomorrow. Amen. Work while you can. Peace be to the brothers. Here's how the book ends. Peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. If I got some brothers and sisters that want the peace of God, would you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Come on. That's what it's all about. I'm going to give you the seven applications in closing. Here they are. I'm going to rattle them off really quick. Know the God of peace. Know him personally if you don't already. Know him through Jesus. Be a peacemaker. Make a decision that I will make peace wherever it's possible. Number three, accept the discipline of life that God gives you because it brings forth peace. When you unmanage your life, the unmanagement of your life allows trouble to come in much easier. Guard your life through the disciplines that God puts in your heart. The disciplining of your thought will guard your peace. Think about that. The more you discipline how you think, the more peace will become prevalent in your life. The way you discipline, the way you talk. How many have had to realize you can't talk a certain way and have peace in your life? You have to guard your words. Amen. And don't be anxious, but be prayerful. Keep the mind of Christ and live in peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 9 is one of the most famous passages of peace. It says, um, and it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation with thanksgiving and prayer, present your request to God. And the, God. and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Preach the gospel of peace to others. Be obedient. Just like my dad was, you decide with the Lord how to do that, but preach the gospel of peace. Last, uh, number six here, let the Holy Spirit grow peace in your life. Think of it like this. The Father, he is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Jesus, the Son, he is the Prince of peace. The Holy Spirit is the developer of peace, the Spirit of peace. And then lastly, guard your hearts from trouble and fear with Jesus' peace. He said, in this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have problems. But he says, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, but as I give. It will never live. I'm just going to read it so I don't mess it up. Come on, somebody say preach it. 
Can you put that Bible verse up there uh, right now? Uh, John 14, 17. Band, would you come, please, altar workers? Because I want you to see Jesus, even though he is in heaven, he is here with us by the Spirit right now. Thank you. John, uh, I don't believe it's John 16. John 16. There we go. John 16, 17. Let me find the exact reference here, please. I'll find it here. El Diablo is a liar. How many know that Jesus is Lord? Whether or not today you and I understand everything that we're facing in life is not the issue. Whether or not I understand it. It's whether or not I trust Jesus as Lord over it. Does everybody get the difference? My peace I give with you. I have the wrong reference, don't I? Somebody look it up. 1427. There we go. Thank you, scholar. Everybody read this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What do you say back to that Jesus? Let's just be honest real quick in closing. Come on. What do you say back to that Jesus? Jesus looks right at you and says, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. Well, Jesus, you don't know my troubles. Jesus, I've just been so much trouble. I got trouble coming out of my trouble, Jesus. What do you say back to him? When Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Oh, Jesus, you don't know my fears. Jesus, you don't know what I'm afraid of, Jesus. You just don't get it. That's right. You better say that. You better say back to Jesus. My heart is yours. I believe you. I take you at your word. So what does it mean to be at peace in the times of your fear? What does it mean for my wife and I when we go through troubling times, but we go through it with peace? It means we do it even if we're afraid. We do it even if we don't understand. We do it if there's anxious thoughts in our mind. We tell ourselves we don't back down. That's what it means to take God at his word. Because all of us have had scary thoughts in our minds. All of us have faced situations where it's like fear is real. Fear is intimidating. Trouble is troubling. So Jesus didn't say there wouldn't be a world without trouble. He didn't say there would be a world that you would be in where you wouldn't be afraid. He said, but in that world, in those times of your fear, in those times of your trouble, I am with you in my peace. He's right there with you. How many want to go with Jesus' peace through the troubles of this world? Amen. Let's just raise up our hands and say thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Would we receive it right now? If you have never made peace with God, do it, do it right now with Jesus so that you can be saved. Brothers, go back to that message, please, and put up the closing. But right now, everybody's head, head bowed and eyes closed, hands raised. Jesus, I need your peace. Those who need salvation, the peace of God is coming to you right now. Those of you who have had sin and addictions, the peace of God is coming to you right now. What if I told you there was a day I, I never smoked again, I never drank again, I never looked at porn again, I never swore again. Come on, I never got into a fight again. Whatever you're dealing with today can be your last day right now if you ask for God's peace. This is not too good to be true. This is so good it has to be true. Otherwise, God's a liar. 
hands raised in this place who believes that right now I receive peace. Now, if you don't have an issue with sin or salvation, you would say, I'm saved and, you know, God has taken away my sins. What do you need peace in a troubling situation right now? Maybe something that has not your fault, has nothing to do with the consequence of bad behavior. It's just, man, you live in a wicked world or you live in a world of turmoil. Somebody in your family may be sick. Somebody on your job may hate you and want to get you fired. You may be facing betrayal. You may be facing poverty. You may be facing something that you feel is out of your hands. Right now, lift up your hands and say, I'm going through this with the peace of God. I'm going through this with the peace of God. Peace right now over my storms. Peace right now over my family. Peace. Peace. Look at Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Was his life without turmoil? No. But everything he went through, he went through with the peace of his Father. We're not asking the Lord. We're not asking the Lord to do it in a way that we first have to see it to believe it. We're asking the Lord right now to do it because we believe it. Come on. If you're saying to yourself, well, you know, I'll believe my family will be at peace when I go home and my, my husband talks nice to me or my wife does not something nice or my kids do, you know, then I'll believe it. No, 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 no. You'll see it after you believe it. This is a journey of faith. This is a journey of faith. Before the external world changes, the internal world changes. Before you see it on the outside, you feel it on the inside. You take a step of faith right now. Come on, that's why I wear this shirt everywhere I go, Chicago for Jesus. Because before I see it on the streets of the west side, I believe it right now. And because I believe it, I see it in every day in the little ways. Little ways, but I see it every day. Because I believe it first. Right now, God will change your heart, change your life. Peace starts right now on the inside. Who are we, Lord? Come on, who are we to you, Jesus? The Bible says we're sons and daughters. And what do you want for us, Jesus? You want us to have grace and peace. Come on, ask the Lord right now if you don't believe him. Who am I to you, Jesus? Who am I? And what do you want me to have? What did you write this letter to the Ephesians for through your apostle Paul? Why is this preacher preaching to me today? Just a few more seconds before we go. I want everyone to leave out of here with the peace of God. I want us believing it today. I want us believing it today. Make every effort. You heard what the Bible said, right? You ready to do it? Now pray for three things right now you're going to make an effort to do. Right now, come on, three things. Three things right now. Lord, give me strength to do this. Right now, pray it out. Lord, give me strength to love my wife as you love the church. Give me strength to honor and care for my kids. Give me strength, oh God, to be diligent and faithful to the church. I'll make every effort to keep the bond of peace. I will make every effort to keep the bond of peace in my family, with my children, in this church, in my marriage, with my children, in this church right now. I double dog dare some of you to pray it like you mean it. And by the way, God knows if you're just bored right now, I can't change your life, friends. I can't force you to do this, but if you're serious with God, you will see your life change. That's why we pray. What I tell you at the beginning of this service, I say, why do we end every service? Why do we do this? 
because we have nothing else to do. No, we do this because we really believe in the peace of God. It is real. I don't have messy friendships anymore. If you are dealing with messy friendships today, you need to check that. I don't have a messy marriage. You can have a blessed marriage too. Whatever it is, I am provoking you right now to do something with Jesus. Don't you leave out of here with a jacked up life saying, I tried Metro Praise, but it didn't work. You didn't work that word the way he said to work it. He told you to make every effort. We are saved by grace through faith, by God's grace to be workmanship, to do these works. We are saved to bring peace to our jobs. We are saved to be peacemakers. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Well, I don't know if I can make peace. You go home and make peace with Jesus. If they don't want your peace, let Jesus judge them on that day of judgment. But right now, you go and make every effort. That's what we do. That's what we do because God said it. A few more moments. It's awkward for some, but others, you are touching heaven right now, and earth is changing. Awkward for some, powerful for others. Boring for some, supernatural for others. How bad do you want this today? To trust him, to love him. In 30 seconds, we're going to close out. The band's going to sing. We'll dismiss with prayer. And if you want one of these brothers or sisters to pray with you, please don't leave until they do. If you want them to pray with you for your marriage, pray with you for your kids, pray with you for your job. We got faith today, friends. We believe. We'll, we'll, we'll challenge the devil with you today. We're not afraid of him. We are not afraid of his lies. We've heard it all before. I've heard it all before. I've met so many couples up here. Oh, he's going to leave me or she's going to leave. I've heard it all before, and I could show you happy couples in this church. I'm telling you, I've heard it all before. Well, I've prayed a hundred times to stop smoking. It's never worked. I've heard it all before. Give God the hundred and first time right now and see what happens. Well, I used to be at peace with God, but now, you know, I struggle with my sexuality. I'm attracted to the same sex. I've heard it all before. Come up here and ask God to give you peace in your heart right now. Ask God what he can do with your heart right now. Well, I'm addicted to pornography. Come up here and watch what God will do. He'll bring peace. You don't need that addiction. 30 seconds can change your life. Father, we're going to dismiss now. But we don't want to leave your presence as we leave this place. So, Lord, just one more time, we ask you to be the God of peace in us today. May we be in you today like never before, coming out of whatever is causing messes, whatever has taken away our peace. May we come out and come into you. Be with us today and bless us as we leave out. May we walk in the gospel of peace, taking it where we go today to the restaurants and to our families and to our jobs this week knowing that peace is worth it. It's worth ridicule. It's worth people making fun of us. But God, it's, it's worth it because we know that you are the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Slap your neighbor high five and say peace. Have a wonderful week. Peace out.